The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15. We're currently in our 40 Days in the Word series. And uh, we're, I think this is week five of this, so we're kind of coming down to the end. Uh, we're, we've seen a theme develop here, and I think that's a theme even in our church, but that is that God's Word changes lives. Several weeks ago, we looked at the fact that God's Word is powerful, and we saw that God's Word is reliable and helpful. Last week, we looked at the fact that God's Word is stable. This morning, Pastor Nick's going to bring a message where we look at the fact that the Scriptures are understandable. So if you have your weekly guide, you should be able to follow along there, and we do have an outline that you can follow along in the sermon. I'll invite you at this time to stand with me, if you can, and we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When I was in high school, I was convicted of breaking the law. I had to go to court, I had to stand before a judge, I had to plead guilty. Um, I went to a really large high school, and one day while I was leaving high school to go on my way to work, I was pulling out in my family's really cool, deep forest green minivan. It was a Plymouth, it was awesome. I was pulling out, and the student parking lot was always a mess, because there's a lot of traffic getting in and out. And as I was leaving, there was a line of cars to leave the parking lot. And so I'm just sitting in the line, waiting for the person in front to go so I can leave the parking lot. And while I'm sitting in the line, there's another student in, in her car parked right here in the stall, and she has no idea I'm there, and she just backs out and runs right into my car as she's backing out, puts a big old dent in my door. And, you know, of course, she pulls forward, and I open up the door to check out the damage. And you know how high schoolers are, like their heads aren't screwed on straight. So th- this is literally what I did. I opened the door, and I didn't think to check the other side of the door. I just opened the door, and I looked around. I'm like, oh, we're good, no damage. And so I told this person, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's okay. I had thought, you know, everything was good. So I got in, closed the door, and I drive off. Well, my mom later that night asked me, hey, Nick, why is there a dent in the minivan door? And I was like, uh. And so we go out there, and sure enough, huge dent in the door that I just totally missed. And then my mom asked me, well, did you get that person's information? Like their driver's license number, their insurance information. And I was like, um, no, I didn't, Mom. And then she instantly goes into mom mode and gives me this speech about how you're always supposed to get the other person's information, get their insurance, get their driver's license number. And I was like, Mom, it's okay. I told the person, you know, it's all good. No worries. Nothing's going to happen. And besides, it was, it was their fault. I mean, they, they ran into me. So what's going to happen, right? Well, let me tell you what happened. I had thought that everything was good with this other driver. Apparently, though, there was a misunderstanding because she actually reported what had happened. A few days later, I got a knock on the door at home from a police officer. I had to go down to the police station, and she told me, technically, you're supposed to be in handcuffs, but you seem like a nice guy, so I'm not going to put handcuffs on you. I was like, oh, gee, thanks. Um, So we go down there. She tells me what happened. She gives me my court date. I got to go to court, and I had to go and stand before a judge, and I had to plead guilty for leaving the scene of an accident without exchanging information. If you're wondering, in Arizona, where I lived at the time, that's a misdemeanor. And so I had, had to pay a big old fine, all because of a simple misunderstanding. I thought we were good. Apparently, though, I had misunderstood the situation. You see, with God, he does not want us to misunderstand him. God does not want us to misunderstand his word because misunderstandings can cause problems. Misunderstandings can cause conflicts. Misunderstandings can cause a $600 fine for a 17-year-old kid. 
God wants us to be able to understand His Word. God wants us to be able to know Him. And we do that by studying the Bible. That's why our text says, study God's Word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. See, study God's Word is vital because correctly understanding the Bible is how we live out. It enables us to live out who we are in Christ. It helps us to live in accordance with who God has made us to be. Studying God's Word helps us to stand in the grace of God. But how do we study? I mean, this is a big book. Where do we start? How do we study? Which leads us to our first thought this morning, and that's very simply the how of Bible study. The how of Bible study. Over the next few moments, I just want to talk and kind of share how we can study God's words so that we can know what it says so that it can impact our lives. Now, not only is it important to study God's word, but it's also important that we study it the right way. You see, bad Bible interpretation can actually lead us to some bad places. Misunderstanding God's word can lead us down the wrong road. So we want to make sure that we not only study the Bible, but that we study it correctly. So first of all, let's just real simply, letter A, pick a passage. Now, I know that sounds really simple and kind of a little bit obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people, they don't know where to start. They get so overwhelmed. I mean, the Bible's a big book written over thousands of years by all these different men over different periods of time in different languages, and they don't know where to start, and they get so overwhelmed, they just never do it. So very simply, pick a passage of Scripture. If you want to get to know about Jesus, study one of the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. Study one of the Gospels. They're all written to different groups of people, sharing different aspects of Jesus' life. So if you want to get to know Jesus, study the Gospel. If you want to get to know your salvation, study the first three chapters of the book of Romans. If you want to understand everything that took place, the moment I placed my trust in Christ, what all happened there, study the first three chapters of the book of Romans. If you want to get to know how to grow in your spiritual walk and grow in what we'll call our sanctification, how to grow in your spiritual maturity, study what's called the Pauline epistles. It's the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament to different churches and people. If you want to increase your prayer life, study the book of Psalms. Many of the Psalms are prayers that David and other men wrote out to God. If you want to increase your prayer life, study the Psalms. If you want to learn the wisdom of God, study the Proverbs. Study the Proverbs to learn the wisdom of God. If you want to know how the Messiah is going to make everything right in this world, if you want to see how God's justice comes into play when things seem unjust, study the major and the minor prophets in the Old Testament. If you want to learn the history of God's people, if you want to see God being patient, and if you want to God see, God see, see God's crazy love as he pursues his people, study the history books in the Old Testament. Pick a passage and jump into it and study the Word of God. If you want to learn about a specific topic like parenting or being a husband or being a wife, if you want to learn about a topic, Get a concordance. We'll talk about that in a minute. Look up all the verses on that topic and just study out those individual verses. So letter A, pick a passage. Letter B, read it slowly. There's no gold star sticker for reading it really fast. There's no prize at the end for getting it done first. Just read it slowly. Allow yourself to digest what the scripture is saying. Saturate your heart and in your mind in what the Bible says. Read it and then reread it and then reread it. If you're going to pick up the book of the Bible, let's say the book of Romans. Set aside 20 minutes every day for two or three weeks and just read and reread and reread. And as you saturate your heart in the text, you're going to notice themes start appearing in the passage of Scripture. You're going to start to remember where certain things are, and you're going to get really familiar with the book of the Bible. Saturate your heart in the text. Read it slowly. And let's see where we'll spend most of our time this morning is study it thoughtfully. Study it thoughtfully. Once you have your passage picked out, once you're reading, I want you to think about what you're actually reading. How many of you have ever been before and you're reading and it's like you get halfway through the page and you're like, I have no clue what I just read. Study it thoughtfully. We do this by asking questions. If we're going to dig into the Bible, we must learn to ask the right questions. So ask 
questions there in your sermon notes. We gave several questions that help understand the context and help us to rightly divide the word of truth. First question on the list is, who are the people that are directly mentioned in this passage? Why are they mentioned? Who is this talking to? Who is it talking about? Learn their backstories. Learn about these people. Who are the people mentioned? What are the places mentioned? Get out a map and find out where this is actually taking place so you can get an idea of what's going on. Who are the people? Who are the places? Who was the original audience of this passage? When this passage was first inspired and it was first given by God, who was the writer talking to? The book of Romans, again, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Rome. Learn about the church at Rome. Learn what was unique about them and what influenced the Apostle Paul to write the way he did. Learn what was unique about the original audience. Next, how would the original audience have taken this passage? Sometimes you hear people explain a verse and you're like, wow, that is just way out in left field. Where did that come from? And you think, there's no way the original audience ever would have understood that. So as we're seeking to rightly understand the Bible, ask yourself the question, how would the original audience have understood this passage? This isn't like the Da Vinci Code where we're trying to put all these pieces together and it's this dark mystery for thousands of years. No. Who, how would they have taken it? And very simply, that's how we should take it as well. Next, what does this passage reveal to me about God? This book is all about God. It's his story of how he redeemed us. So as you're reading, ask yourself, what does this show me about God's character? What does this show me about God's nature? What does this show me about God's love? What does this show me about the justice of God? What does this passage reveal to me about God? Next, how should this passage change my affections? How should I emotionally respond to what I'm reading? How should I emotionally respond to what I'm studying? How does this passage cause me to fall more in love with God? How does this passage fall me, cause me to fall more in love with my wife? How does this passage change my emotions? How do I respond emotionally to what I'm reading? How does this passage affect my affections? And then lastly, how should this passage change my actions? What does the grace of God want to do in my life as a result of what I'm reading? What needs to change? What needs to be different about my actions in response? And as you answer these questions, you're going to start to understand the context of the scripture, and you're going to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, like Paul's talking about in Timothy. Let me encourage all of you, get a notebook, use the note app on your phone, write down the answers to these questions. And over a long period of time, as you do that, you're going to have a record of the work of God in your life as you study it out. So as you're reading, ask questions. These are great questions to help us understand the context of scripture. Next, let the Bible answer itself. Let the Bible answer for itself. You know, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Let the Bible answer itself. In fact, if we don't study the Bible within the context of itself, we'll run into bad doctrine. We'll run into weird and and bad places. We must study the Bible for itself. Study it within the context of itself. Uh, One verse that's often taken out of context is Philippians 4.13. And I think we have a meme about how it's often taken out of context. Thanks, Jacob. This is what happens when Philippians 4.13 is taken out of context. Now, it's kind of comical, but oftentimes we do this when we take Scripture out of context. This has nothing to do with Philippians 4.13. But yet, oftentimes we do that when we take it out of context. So you say, okay, Pastor Nick, how do I take the Bible within context? How do I understand the context of what is being explained? Well, if you don't understand a verse, there's a way to figure out the context. Very simply, when you look at a verse, take a step back and look at the paragraph that the verse is written in. Oftentimes, a verse is only a half a sentence. And I mean, all of us get frustrated when the news does this, right? They take like one little statement and they take it totally out of context and then make the person say something that they didn't. Well, oftentimes we do that with scripture. So to be careful of that, what we need to do is take a step back and look at the entire paragraph that this verse is in. Philippians 4.13 comes right at the tail end of a paragraph. We'll see that in a moment. If you're still wondering how to apply this verse, don't just stop at the paragraph. Take another step back 
and look at the entire chapter. Is what I think this verse means consistent with this chapter of Scripture? Is it consistent with the theme that I see appearing in this chapter of the Word of God? Then if you want to take it even a step farther back, look at the entire book. What is the theme of this book of the Bible? What is the idea that it's trying to communicate? And is my interpretation of the Scripture consistent? If it's not, it might be that we're taking it out of context. You could take this a step even farther back and look at everything that the author wrote. Or even go all the way to look at the New Testament. Is my interpretation of this verse consistent with what the Bible teaches? We know the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so what we need to do is make sure that we allow the Bible to define itself. So let's practice this this morning with Philippians 4.13. We're going to look at the context. Common verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, verse 13 is actually nestled right at the end of a paragraph that starts in verse number 10. The scriptures say, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful but lacked opportunity. So in this first verse, Paul is saying, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm rejoicing because you guys financially supported my ministry. It was a help to me. I I really appreciate it. He goes on and say, not that I speak in respect of want. He's saying, I'm not rejoicing that you guys gave to me because I wanted something. That's not what this is about. He goes on and says, because I have learned in whatever state I am, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I can be content with a little. I can be content with a lot. I can be content when I'm hungry. I can be content when I'm full. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Philippians 4.13 in the proper context is actually telling us we can be content in Christ with or without things that we think we need. Now, all of us have been here before. Let's flesh this out a little bit. How many of you have ever gone to a store like Costco or Target or something, and you only wanted to get one thing? Like, that was your goal. You're laughing because you know where I'm going. Your goal is, I'm just going to get one thing. And then, as you're going into the store, you're committed. You see that aisle, whatever that aisle is for you. For my wife, it's that aisle at the front of Target where they sell all that stuff for really cheap, and it looks like it's going to fall apart. Like, you all know what I'm talking about? She loves it. She says, but babe, they have a sign that says, it's fall, y'all. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Now, my aisle... It's a little bit different. It's a little farther back. It's got that little Apple logo on there. I'm really trying to convince my wife that God wants me to have an Apple watch. It's not working. Y'all pray for me. Now, here's how we can correctly apply Philippians 4.13. When we're going down that aisle and we're seeing all the things we want, but that we don't need, we could say, you know what? I can live without this. Why? Because I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. I don't need to buy this thing. I don't need this thing to be happy. Why? Because I have Jesus. I can do all things with Christ. I can abound and I can be abased. I can be abased without my Apple Watch. Why? Because I have Christ who strengthens me. You see how understanding a passage within the context actually helps our life. It actually has real-life application that we can apply and can actually help us and actually save our budget. Now, the wrong way for me to apply Philippians 4.13, if I got on a bench press with like 500 pounds, and I was like, I could do all things with Christ. (laughs) That's how that's going to go. I'm going to drop that weight on my head. But when we apply a passage within the context of what Scripture is talking about, it can actually change our life and give us help and breathe life into our life. I love this comic of Peanuts. Good job, man. That was right on cue. It says, this is Linus and Lucy. They say, boy, look at the rain. What if it floods the whole world? I love Linus. It will never do that because in the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that that would never happen. And the sign of this promise is a rainbow. She says, you've taken a great load off my mind. And Linus says, sound theology has a great way of doing that. And that's true. As we correctly understand the scripture, it's going to give us peace of mind. And it's going to help us know this is what it looks like to live the life that God 
has called me to live, which takes us back to our theme. Correctly understanding the Bible is what enables us to live in accordance with who we are in Christ. So let the Bible answer for itself. Get the full context of what is being talked about. Next, study the Bible through the Jesus lens. In Luke 24, Jesus tells uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he takes the Old Testament and he explains Jesus throughout the whole Old Testament. And as you study the Bible, whether you're reading the New Testament or the Old Testament, always be on the lookout for the Messiah. Be on the lookout for Jesus, how Jesus can change the situation, how Jesus can bring hope in the situation. Look to see how the nation of Israel saw hope in the Messiah in very hopeless circumstances. Study through the Jesus lens. Craig A. Blasing said, from beginning to end, the Old Testament exudes the expectation that someone is coming. Allow that expectation, allow that hope to fill your soul. The Messiah has come and he promises to come again. Allow that to change your heart and fill your heart. The Bible is God's story about how he redeemed his people, how he chased after us with his crazy love. Allow that to affect your heart as you're reading. You see, the Bible is written to us, but it's not always written about us. But it is always about Jesus. It is always about God. Now, we've given several questions and ways to understand the scripture within context. What I'd like to do for the next few moments is recommend some resources that can help us answer these questions, some resources that'll help us to know how we can rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, Kind of my go-to one, and really basic, is just getting a good study Bible. You can go to the Christian bookstore, you can find one online, but get a good study Bible. A good study Bible is going to have commentary on the bottom of the page of all the verses that are mentioned in Scripture. And this is great, because right as you're reading the text, it helps you to explain it. Now, in addition to commentaries, a good study Bible is going to include introductory remarks. So this is a picture of mine. And at the beginning of every book, it has just these introductory remarks. So it shares the background, it shares uh, the contrib- uh, however this book of the Bible contributes to the Bible as a whole. It tells the structure of the book. You can see on the other page, it gives like an outline of the book. So it outlines it all for you so you can really pick out the themes really fast. On the bottom there, there's a timeline of world history. So you can see right where this book was being written and what was going on in the world when it happened. A good study Bible is also going to include maps. Uh, maps. So one of the questions we proposed was, where was this taking place? So these maps help you see uh, where things were taking place. Here we see Jesus' route to the baptism, and it kind of shows you where in the Bible this is all taking place. It's also going to include pictures, actual pictures of the locations. So this is a picture of where Jesus was doing some of his ministry, and you can get an idea. Wow, that's actually where Jesus stood. That's pretty cool. A good study Bible is also going to include helpful articles. Uh, This is an article about the resurrection of Jesus as a historical event. So a good study Bible is going to help you out, even apologetically, like we looked at a couple weeks ago, on how we can rely on God's Word. It's going to have good resources in it to help you know that our faith is reliable. It also has illustrations. I think this next picture, this is a temple uh, where Zechariah was ministering when the angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him about John and Jesus, his, uh, John, his son, and Jesus was coming. This is exactly, this is a room, what it would have looked like when the angel Gabriel appeared to him. So a good study Bible is going to help you have all these resources so that in your mind, you can get a good picture of everything and you can understand the context of what is diff- taking place. Now, again, there's tons of different study Bibles to choose from. They have study Bibles for men, for women, for pastors, uh, for moms, for dads. They have study Bibles that focus strictly on apologetics. Don't get so hung up on which one's the right one. Just get a good study Bible and dig into it and answer these questions. Now, the next resource is called blueletterbible.org. This one's free. How many of you like free? Raise your hand. Some, some of you like free. I like free. Uh, Blue Letter Bible is a phenomenal resource because not only is it going to have commentaries, 
It's also going to have dictionaries so that you can know what different words mean. It's going to have commentaries. It's going to also give a lot of the maps and stuff that we talked about. Uh, But for me, one of the most helpful things with this particular website is it actually shows me uh, the words in the scripture in the original language. So here, this verse, this is our text. Uh, there, that's what it looks like in Greek when it was originally uh, inspired there. Now, sometimes when you're translating from one language to another, it doesn't always translate perfectly. And so going back to the original language actually helps you to get a full understanding of what different words mean. Now, it used to be you had to study Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all these ancient dead languages to be able to do this. But now, uh, with resources like this one, uh, you don't have to study all that. This does all the work for you. So you can literally just click on a word, click on the Greek word, see how it's used. You can see all the different places in Scripture that it gets used, all the different ways it gets translated. In our text, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, study is often translated in the Bible as be diligent. And so that's going to give you a fuller idea of what the Bible's meaning uh, there. So Blue Letter Bible is a great free resource that you can use to help as you study the word. Another resource in Blue Letter Bible would include this is a concordance. I mentioned that earlier. A concordance is just a big book, and it literally has all the words in the Bible. You would look it up like a dictionary, but instead of definitions, it just gives you all the different references where that passage is used. So if you want to study a topic, a concordance, again, Blue Letter Bible has one. Uh, This is a picture of a commentary set which is another great resource. Uh, And again, there's lots of different kinds. This particular one is my commentary on the book of Psalms written by Spurgeon called The Treasury of David. Just gives lots of good explanation and practical helps for understanding the word. So these are all some great resources to help us as we seek to study the word of God. Now, there's a problem. And most of us, or sometimes we'll run into this problem when we look at studying the word on a purely academic level. Because we'll, we'll, what happens is when we study it on a purely academic level, we'll actually miss the point. Uh, my son, my three-year-old, how many of you know Nicholas? He's cute most of the time. Uh, he is still very frustratingly in the potty training stage. Um, we, we had lots of people tell us, oh, you just got to do it. Just pick a week, potty train him, he'll get it. I'm like, I don't know what kind of Einstein children you have, but my son is not going to be potty trained in a week. I mean, this has been a month and month and a month long process and a very uh, messy process. Um, he just, it, he's taking his time. Now, in his defense, uh, he's got number one down. Great. Um, haven't really had a lot of those accidents. The other day, we were at Home Depot, and I'm buying a tool, and I'm reading the box, right? I'm making sure this is what I need for whatever it was, and I'm really focused. And then while I'm focusing on it, my son's over here in the cart, and he's just jabbering away, and I'm not really listening. And all of a sudden, he starts getting really excited. Uh, and I kind of snapped to him, and I'm like, what is it, buddy? He goes, dad, dad, potty, pee, bathroom, now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so we go, we go run it, and he made it, and he was fine. He's got number one down great. But number two, I'm sorry if this is gross. It's just my stage of life. Number two, he just will not go on a toilet. The kid will not poop on a toilet for the life of him, for the life of his parents, for our sanity. He just will not do it. I mean, we have tried every trick. We have read every blog. We have, we've, we've put him on the little kitty toilet. We've put him on the adult toilet. We've put the little kitty seat on the adult toilet. He just won't do it for the life of him. Now, he knows what he's supposed to do. He will repeat it back to me. Poop on toilet. Yes, son, now let's do it. But he just will not do it. Our latest tactic has been to bribe him with his own toys. Well, you want that toy. You can have it as soon as you go potty on the to- toilet. We have a picture here, a, a video of him. Explaining this back to us. No poop. No lightsaber. No lightsaber. See, he knows. Like he knows. You want that toy lightsaber? You can have it when you go on the toilet. He, he, he's got it here. But there's this huge disconnect between what he understands and what he actually does. 
And oftentimes, that's how we approach studying the Bible, isn't it? I mean, we can have the word memorized. We can tell you all the facts. We can give you all the history. We can give you the context. We can tell you all the definitions in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And we can rattle off all this information. But there's a disconnect between what we know and what we live. You see, God wants his word to change our lives. God's word changes lives. That's the theme. And we need to know it to understand it. But we can't allow this disconnect between what we know and what we actually live. You see, under... Um, You see, learning Bible knowledge is a good thing. Learning Bible knowledge is a good thing. But it is not a complete thing. It's good. We've got to study. We need to know what the Word of God says, but we can't allow our study to stop on a purely academic level. level. Studying the Bible is a good thing, but it is not a complete thing. God wants us, yes, to understand, but He also wants our lives to be changed. He wants us to be transformed by it. That's why the theme of our sermon is correctly understanding the Bible enables us to live in accordance with who we are in Christ, which leads us to our next thought, the why of Bible study. We've seen how we study the Bible. We've seen the different ways, the different questions, and the different resources. But why do we study the Word of God? Well, let's go back to our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. First and second Timothy were written by the apostle Paul. So we're going to kind of practice what we talked about a minute ago. We're going to back up all the way to some of the books that he wrote. He wrote first and second Timothy to Paul, uh, to Timothy. Paul wrote them. Paul was kind of like a mentor to Timothy. And at this point, Timothy is now pastoring a church and Paul's writing these books to him to encourage him, to encourage him in his faith and to encourage him to live out the faith that he has been given. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, the apostle Paul reminds Timothy of his faith. He reminds him of the gospel. He's saying, this is the faith that was handed to you even as a little child. And then in the beginning of verse, or chapter number 2, he encourages Timothy to stand strong in the grace of God. He tells Timothy, Timothy, you need to stand strong in God's grace. Not in your own strength. It's going to fail. Not in your own discipline. Not in your own motives. Stand strong in the grace of God. God. He then gives Timothy three different metaphors to help him understand how to do this. He gives the metaphor of a soldier. He gives the metaphor of an athlete. And he gives the metaphor of a farmer. With all three of these metaphors, Paul is using them to help Timothy to understand that standing strong in the grace of God is not an overnight thing. It's a process that's going to take time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some diligence. There's no get mature quick scheme. And Paul is encouraging Timothy to stand strong in the grace of God. Standing strong in God's grace sometimes seems hard because there's this pull of the world, of the flesh, and of the devil. And there's this constant battle between our own flesh and the new man that God has created. And this battle goes on inside of our own hearts, inside of our own souls. And that's why Paul comes along and tells Timothy, you need to stand strong in God's grace. It's a process, yes. It's going to take some effort, yes. But you need to stand in His grace. He then tells them, you can stand strong in the grace of God by studying his word. That word study, again, it can also be translated be diligent. He's telling Timothy, he's helping him understand this is a process. It's going to require some effort, yes. It's going to take a long period of time, yes. But you can stand strong in his grace. Because of God's grace, we have his approval. And Paul is telling his his young protege, if you will, Timothy, he's saying the way you experience the approval of God is to rightly divide the word. The way you stand strong in the grace of God is to rightly divide the word. Because, of, because studying the Bible is what enables us to stand strong in his grace. It enables us to get to know God on a deeper level. Study the Bible is how we live out our new man. 
the new man that God has created us to be, that we read about in Scripture over and over and over again. Paul says the way you experience that is by studying the Bible and allowing it to change your life. This is so that I can present myself to God and those around me as an approved child of God, so I can experience the approval God has given me, so other people around me can know that that's a child of God. I don't have any reason to be ashamed. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to, oh, is this real? I can, I can know for sure. I can stand in the grace of God. Correctly understanding the Bible enables us to live in accordance with who we are in Christ. The world is going to pull you down. I mean, you look at everything that happened this last week, and it seems like every month something like this is happening now. Just crazy circumstances. They're going to drag you down. Your job at times is going to weigh you down. Those difficult relationships that you have in your life, they're going to weigh you down. Life just weighs us down. But the Apostle Paul is telling us, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you can stand. You can stand strong in the grace of God. And as you study over time, you'll begin to grow. You'll begin to mature. You'll give the Holy Spirit space in your life day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, to change you so that you can stand strong in His grace. See, studying the Bible is not about just knowing all the answers. It's not about being able to win a Bible quiz or being able to win at all the Bible trivia games. It's not about being able to zing your buddy from a different denomination or win an argument. In fact, Peter actually says it's the exact opposite reason. Look at what he says in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that is in you. So as we study, there's going to be this hope that wells up in us. And Peter says, study so you can give an answer for that hope. With what? With meekness and in fear. Meekness and fear can be translated gentleness and respect. So if the point of your study is just to make a point, you're missing the point. Peter says, do this with gentleness, do this with meekness, do this with respect so that you can share with people around you why you have hope. Why when the world seems like it's falling apart, you have hope. But we have to study God's word so that we can know about that hope and so that we can experience it. Studying the Bible is about slowly building your life in God's grace over the course of your life. This is a process that'll take place over the course of our life. We're never done. We've never, okay, I've, I've fully got it now. I understand everything. It's a process that takes place over the course of our life. God's word changes lives, but we have to know God's word. Study. So here's the takeaway for this morning. Study to stand. Study God's word so you can stand in his grace. Study the word of God so you can experience his approval. Study the word of God so that you can live out the life God has called you to live. Study to stand. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.